of the Parent Podcast from the Poolside Pass, bite-sized podcast for parents and their swimmers. Uh, welcome our guest today, Rebecca Acheng Ajilu-Bushel, the first female black swimmer to represent Team GB internationally. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you, good. Before we begin our topic, just a quick word from our supporters, Streamlined. Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time, or a combination. Assessment can be in your club, using videos, or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored, high-quality support. Quote the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount. Um, Our main topic today, um, we're going to discuss swimming diversity and the efforts to increase changing the culture in in, in British swimming. Mm. Um, Rebecca, you were born in Warrington, but but learned to swim in the Indian Ocean um, and and, um, ended up um, in Plymouth at uh, Plymouth Lysander Swimming Club. Can you just perhaps give us a little bit of insight into that story and how that came about? Yeah, um, so my my mum was, um, I guess, yeah, from up north. And um, we moved over to Kenya kind of quite early on, actually, and Malawi and Uganda before that. So I grew up in around the east one of Africa. Um, my mum was, or is still, um, I guess, a humanitarian aid worker. And, yeah, her job took us over there, which incidentally is also where my dad is from. So I kind of got to grow up um, experiencing part of my culture. I'm half Kenyan, half English. And yeah, I kind of traveled around with their work. Um, my mom and my stepdad, uh, we moved down to Cape Town. Um, and something got a little bit more serious there. Um, and then when they decided to move back to Kenya, there was a decision about kind of stepping up to the next level and you know I think a lot of parents face this kind of very agonizing point with um you know with their kids especially if there are other siblings involved you know it's it's a huge sacrifice the time commitment for swimmers um and specifically for parents is immense and so yeah that's how I ended up at Plymouth Leander um and that was um swimming club attached to from college so we you know we swam and we went to school and we ate and we gymmed and we lived and we did it day after day all the time together <laughs> um, and we were all a little bit kind of feral and yeah that was that was kind of my life for the formative part of my, my teenage years. Teenage years and um, your journey uh, you know from Plymouth really to then you know, taking that journey into Team GB and and obviously at a major championships. How, how did that sort of come about? Obviously through sheer hard work and dedication. But um... sure. Um, it's funny actually. I was speaking to my mum about this kind of quite recently, and you know, she was saying, you know, every time you moved, you really kind of had to work your way up into that that new space. You know, I think when I started swimming. Um, in Kenya, you know, there was a period of time kind of working up into the upper echelons of that 
um, that swimming environment. And then when I moved to South Africa, it was a huge step up. You know, it was like a massively uh, more extensive sporting community. Um, and I had kind of these two crazy Hungarian coaches. They were both ex-water polo players. And so I just spent kind of most of my time, age 10 to 13, just like crying into my goggles and just swimming butterfly relentlessly. Um, you know, and it, although it was kind of more of a sporting um, environment in terms of facilities and resources, you know, the pump would still be broken at the pool for kind of weeks on end, and it would be like 18 degrees, you know, it was absolutely freezing. Yeah. Um, and I think that toughened me up, and that's something that, you know, I think we have, we kind of have to be wary of saying now, because um, some of it probably existed on the line a little bit, um, but but it did toughen me up. I think I was 10 years old. I was playing with a senior squad and, um, you know, I got a, a great endurance um, base from that time. I think that really helped with my sprinting. Um, it really helped with my ability to deal with lactic acid was just kind of, you know, doing, as I said, doing butterfly for about two hours. Um, and made me quite versatile. You know, we, we competed outside a lot. Um, we did a lot of high altitude competition. I remember eating like little fisherman friends, those horrible little mental yeah. sweets um, before competing. And, you know, you always had the sun in your face or like a lane rope or like a bird or something. Um, and when I moved to Plymouth, I was 13. And, you know, I kind of had, I think, quite a lot of raw, raw talent. And I'd obviously, as I said, had this kind of endurance um, base drilled into me but you know I wasn't that refined I didn't know that I was a breaststroker I didn't um you know I didn't really have an understanding of what swimming at a high level actually looked like or really meant sure um and coming to the UK was another massive step up again and so there was a kind of year of really feeling like I was playing catch-up on you know just about everything and you know, learning the steps and the drills and, um, yeah. you know, the way, the, just the lexicon of swimming, um, mm. which feels like from the outside, another language. Um, I was joking with my team yesterday um, that I work with. We work out together on Tuesdays. You know, and I ha kept, kept ha having the step repeated to me. And I was like, God, I used to remember, you know, two hours of set you know just off off the bat and, yeah you know, i can remember other people's times as well as mine but that's kind of all gone now um yeah anyway as i came through that period um at plymouth you know i had i had great coaches and it was an incredible program and it felt like that program was coming up at the same time as, as i was which was quite a nice feeling you know you're in this place of real inertia and energy and I was still swimming for Kenya at the time internationally, so I represented Kenya at the All African Games, um, and yeah, so I was Kenyan to win medals there wow. for swimming. That was yeah, that was great. And then the more time I spent in the UK, the more it kind of made sense to swap sporting allegiances, and that yeah, that's the decision that I think really um, affected my career. I think. It was, I was 14, kind of 15 at the time. I felt kind of pushed into it by my coach somewhat. Um, and a lot of people around me, I think as an athlete, when you get to that point of performance, you know, 
there are a lot of stakeholders in the outcome of your performance. And, you know, that, that, that does take away from the process somewhat. Um, you know, I always say that I love to swim and I did. I feel more at home in the water even now. It feels easier than walking, but high level sport can be a very outcome focused place. And with that comes a lot of pressure. And sure. so I think, you know, the decision to come to the UK and you know, it opened so many doors and it gave me a platform, but it also came with, you know, a huge amount of, of kind of weight on my shoulders, scrutiny um, on my races and, and who I was, my identity as well. And that was something at that age I was still working out, you know. Um, and then, yeah, and then there was British champs and uh, two gold medals and then international and I swam absolutely terribly. So, <laughs> so that was when that. you won the British Champs though, that wasn't a surprise to you. No, no. Um I had been ranked first in, in the country for quite a while and I'd I'd actually hoped to go faster at the British Champs and I just remember kind of being I just completely kind of terrified and overawed by all of the you know, all of the scrutiny and kind of all of the coverage. I was fifteen at the time I think. Um, I remember going to a supermarket between heats and finals, you know, and just picking up a newspaper and turning it over. And there was like a huge picture of me on the back of this, you know, <laughs> and I just like calling my mom and being like, I'm really scared. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to kind of take on um, and a lot to understand. Um, looking back on it, you know, I realized a lot of things that I didn't understand then. But mm. uh, yeah, the British Champs win was, um, I guess from the outside, it was it was quite kind of an incredible thing, and I don't mean to diminish it at all. But it was, yeah, it was also a difficult time, and you know, the win was kind of a byproduct of of the training and where I was at. Sure. Um, but yeah, it wasn't the most comfortable. It wasn't the most comfortable of periods. And you know, the, um, you decided, obviously, you know, or others decided breaststroke was your stroke um, and that was the stroke that uh, let's say took you on to other international competitions for Team GB um, and and at what point did you decide that actually this perhaps wasn't the career for you um, and that wasn't the, the, the pressure from all angles was just something that perhaps you know going forward, you know, 2012 on the horizon wasn't really something that you wanted to take forward? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that you start that question with the kind of, um, yeah, the notion of breaststroke, which is, as any swimmer, both breaststrokers and non-breaststrokers will know, is incredibly challenging um, technically. And... It's it's, um, it, it's it's one of the strokes that kind of relies the most on um, on your technique and your form. And I felt like, for some reason or another, you know, be it kind of mentally, physically, you know, my body was changing. I was like 16, 17, and that's challenging for girls specifically. Um, 
especially as an athlete, you know, your you know, your body fat is so low for so long. Um, and so you kind of stave off that period of puberty. Um, and then it comes and kind of, you know, feels like it happens almost overnight. You know, you grow up, you wake up with boobs and you think, oh my God, I'm like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and so, you know, I was, I was kind of going through that, that transition as well and kind of battling the feelings that I had about my changing body. Um, and that also affected my stroke and affected my confidence. And, you know, I was coming off the back of the club noob as well, which for any athlete is actually quite... Um, a traumatic and probably like under under acknowledged um, experience, you know, it can really be a difficult thing to move clubs um, and to step away from an environment that um, that you've known. I mean, for many of the 50 week year sports, and so you know, you really spend most of your time with these people, um, and so changing changing that is difficult. But Dave Dave Peacock, um Ealing was, was great and actually he I think gave me a lot of dignity to part the sport which I'm very very thankful for um, I think at the end of the day I got to a point where it didn't it didn't feel like what I was doing to my body um, and to my mental health was worth the potential outcome you know I looked down the road and I saw 2012 and you know, we started exploring universities in America um, and swimming scholarships, and you know, it just felt like there was this kind of whole life mapped out for me that I didn't really want anymore. It didn't really make sense to me, and it felt like my love of the process was gone because it was always about the next race and the next win and the next, you know. Um, piece of funding um, or securing your position on it. And, and yeah, and that, that, is, that is what sport is about. And I think if you, if you get to that level and you realize that maybe that's not what you want, um, then it becomes difficult to, to stay in the game. Mm. And I think for me, it was really, yeah, it was really about who I wanted to be um, and how I could kind of become that person and there wasn't enough in being an athlete for me I think um, and there's a lot of regret and sadness that comes with that my first year out of the sport and watching you know training partner win the Olympics and you know kind of seeing all of those things that I thought that I wanted um, and that I trained for my whole life um, it's complicated. I think you don't probably a bit like having a baby. I mean, all moms will kind of lambast me for that, but I think you know you never really know that you're ready to leave a sport. It just kind of happens to you, and then you have to deal with the fallout. Sure, sure. And I suppose the you know the support uh, around you. Um, I mean, in terms of family, obviously was second to none, um, and. You know that, as you, I think, as you, as you said before, you know, helped you through that period of time. Um, but I think going going forward, what what obviously, you know, we're, everybody is looking to do is, you know, obviously twenty 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 was a, a big year in terms of, um, you know, 
greater equality. And I think trying to maintain that diversity, particularly of athletes and coaches in the culture of sport and and swimming generally, certainly is also um, allowed, you know, a new platform, the BSA, um, the Black Swimming Association to um, be founded. And, um, you know, hopefully we look forward to speaking with them on this podcast. But, you know, I think, you know, though, though that greater support to provide that equal playing field for aspiring youngsters is what we what we all want to see, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there are a lot of things to unpack, I think. There's an access issue, and that plays along lines of, you know, cultural norms within communities and um, socioeconomic standing and race, of course. Um, And it's difficult to kind of bake all of those things into a culture, but it's important that we not only try to acknowledge um, that there are those barriers to access to people, but we also, you know, try as much as possible to kind of meet them with with, with openness and kind of empathy um, and actually to really think about, you know, what it means to have less opportunity, whether that's something that we can kind of see um, immediately or not, you know, and by that I mean it it doesn't necessarily feel tangible um, that someone would have less opportunity, but, you know, it's still there. And I think a lot of this stuff was less talked about um, when I was a swimmer, and I think that it was because of that that I didn't really spend a lot of time like ruminating on my identity or like what it meant. You know, I just had this kind of title in the first black female swimmer to represent Team GB kind of put upon me, and. Mm-hmm. It didn't really feel that relevant. It didn't really feel, you know, I didn't really understand what it meant to be black politically, Mm. um, especially in a sport that is quite traditionally white. And, you know, I, I also, I guess, didn't really want to at the age of 14 15 be a role model um, no, no. i just really like i didn't really understand what that responsibility meant and it, it also like all things outside of the race you know it, it it kind of it just becomes harder and harder to focus on the task at hand and ultimately as an athlete you know at the end of the day that is the thing that you do and so i understand the kind of complexity of bringing these conversations into sporting spaces um, onto poolside, onto the playing field, because, you know, sport is about competing. Um, It's about, you know, the love of the game. And it's about, you know, yeah, physically kind of pushing yourself um, beyond what you think is capable. But it's also about, um, you know, camaraderie and unity and bringing people together. And I think 
you can't do that without really focusing on equality and what that means. Mm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely, you know, hit the nail on the head there in terms of that integration of camaraderie. Um, there can't be anything better than than that um, on on a playing field or, or on bullseye, as you say. Um, you know, and continuing that 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 conversation of of inclusiveness um, and allowing um, you know that greater access, uh, as you've said, um, can only be can only you know the sport of swimming can only win and triumph from 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 that absolutely absolutely um yeah one of my friends says you know you kind of you can sometimes kind of lose by losing um but you can also win by winning and i think that you know swimming swimming wins twice if we if we manage to get this right and we now manage to kind of impart enough culture change such that um you know the next generation of black and brown athletes feel more able to, I don't know, have, have longevity um, in, in a sport that can offer you so much. You know, I think swimming has shaped so much of my life and my, my personality and my outlook and time management, determination, uh, all of that stuff. And I think that, you know, whatever level you get to, um, there really is a lot that you can gain by being involved in in sport and swimming in particular but yeah it's, it's really really imperative um that it, it does start to be acknowledged more and i think you, you know you mentioned the bsa previously um and sarah jones one of the founders of the bsa her and i actually came up together and we swam together um and she was one of the only other kind of mixed race girls on poolside um and i was in america actually over lockdown and she Actually, I reached out to her and I said, you know, I, I can't believe you set up the Black Swimming Association without me. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, we, we touched base and we, we ended up kind of, I haven't spoken to her for maybe like seven years, you know, and we got on the phone for about three hours and we just talked and talked about our careers and what we did, yeah. you know, after, you know, we finally left Sheffield Pond Fort. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where I feel like I spent my whole life. Um, and thoughts about, you know, our, our mental health struggles and, you know, finding kind of new ways to frame identity and what that meant for our sporting careers and the sadness that we felt of not being able to kind of talk about that or having the language to talk about that more when we were younger. Um, but I think... You know, the next generation is like they're very powerful in their ability to be able to talk. You know, my sister is, she's, my youngest sister is 17 and she's just like, you know, they're just so much more open to everything and they're so much more able to emote and to accept. And, you know, she'll be like, someone else in school and she'll say, yes, there's this um, guy that's transitioned and now he is you know da, 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 da. and it's just it, it's completely normal you know oh. talking about yeah talking about the queer community talking about race talking about different socioeconomic standings religion whatever you know they they just they do all of that mm. um in a way that, that we didn't and you know generations before us did it even less yeah and that feels 
really, really important um, that the younger generations are equipped with kind of just more ability, I think, to confront this stuff head on. Yeah. Um, but also, I think, specifically for young black girls and um, young mixed race girls, you know, there are still loads of cultural tropes. I think one of the things I say to a lot of girls that I speak to is like, I, you know, people ask me about, you know, what, what did you do about your hair? And I think I, I didn't care at all. You know, I just wanted to win. I didn't care about my hair. I didn't care about It's so difficult because when you are that age, everything feels so important. Um, and especially things like fitting in um, and being black um, or an ethnic minority, you know, you're already, you're already battling with that in the UK. You're already feeling in some ways, probably in some spaces, like you don't fit in. Um, and I think that women needs to do more to normalize. And embrace it. Exactly. Rebecca, I, you know, thank you so much for providing, you know, what is a much greater insight into driving that, you know, diversity in, in British sport, in particular British swimming. Um, I'm sure um, our listeners will thoroughly enjoy um, listening to this uh, podcast of um, episode one of series three. Um, and um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's been an honour. So glad to, yeah, glad, glad that you reached out and, and great that people are kind of wanting to have these conversations. Um, I think definitely speak to the SA. I'll make sure that I hook you up. Um, Thank you. And we're still having these conversations um, in my other field, so definitely look into that as well. Super. Um, well, thank you to our listeners of the Poolside Pass podcast. And um, you can visit our website, www.thepoolsidepass.com, for further information. And um, thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Thanks, Martin.